0: So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone, to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. And today, I'm here in Athens, Greece. I can almost see the Parthenon. Okay, this building's in the way. But today, I've got the pleasure of having Paul Katsoff here with me. He's the CEO of White Canyon. And Today, we're going to talk about leadership, sales, what it takes to uh, be successful in the world that we live in today. Paul, welcome to the program.
1: Umar, thank you for having me here on the No Limit Selling Podcast. I appreciate being here. I love listening to you and your podcast. Thank you for the chance to talk to you and your audience. I I appreciate You've made my day today.
0: Brilliant. Uh, You need better standards, my friend. But anyway, (laughs) uh, so... We were talking uh, before this session today, uh, a couple of days ago. We were talking about wipe drive. And uh, one of the things you said that kind of blew my mind was uh, a lot of my hard drives now are SSD drives, mm-hmm. so solid state, which is like totally brilliant. And you said, Did you know that there's multiple copies of everything that you own on that? So you think it's erased, it's not. And it was like, What?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, it's it's just the technology's change from hard drive platter base, which are like records uh, that just you know they have different levels there, and they they write all that data on those different levels there on the on the hard drive platter based drives. On the SSDs, the solid state drives, those are all flash based, which. Over the last 10 years, the price has just dropped incredibly where it's way more uh, kind of affordable or cost affordable for a lot of uh, OEMs out there. So almost every device now has SSDs, but they work differently. They have about 25% more memory than it lists on the device because those chips go bad so often or over, over that three to eight year lifespan. So what happens is the SSD itself is always trying to optimize where data is stored and how that data is handled internally. And what it does is it moves your files around all day long. Like you may think with the platter-based drives, you just kind of write it once, maybe later on you delete it, it's still sitting on there and you, you go, well, I need to erase it, get all the data off there. But on the SSDs, it's continuously optimizing. If the flash chip goes bad, it's moving all those files somewhere else, or it's duplicating files just in case, because they think that flash chip may go bad. So your SSD may have 14 copies of your taxes on there. And it's just, it's normal. It's just how those SSDs function.
0: Brilliant. Uh, I guess we take the good with the bad. We get like super fast speed and reliability, but then you've got the other. So let's talk about the company, uh, White Canyon. Uh, How many people in the company?
1: Uh, Just under 50 employees. Uh, We've been in business for uh, since 1998. So 23 years. Um, We're a small software company here in Utah, we like to claim we're one of the original Utah software companies, <laughs> and we're actually named after a place down in Moab. Moab in southern Utah is a really famous uh, hiking spot, and White Canyon's one of those famous hikes or famous canyons down there. and That's where our name comes from.
0: Brilliant. So did you work your way up through the company?
1: I did. So I started here back in 08, uh, right after the big um, housing crisis and the big crash. I was looking for a job. I had my MBA and they had a position here as a tech support agent for $12 an hour, 40 hours a week. I took it. Um, I was happy to have a job back then. And after nine or eight mo- nine or 10 months, I moved up to tech support manager. And I did that for two years with the company. And they approached me and said, hey, Paul, you know, we need a sales rep. We'd love you to move into sales. And I, I kind of hesitated because I just... You know, to me, the used car salesperson, personality, all that type of of, yeah. new, of handling clients just didn't really fit with me. Um, but they pushed me, said, hey, we really need you. Come on board. Let's try it out for a little while. You can always go back or work something out with you. And it was great. I moved into enterprise software sales. And we're in a nice little niche where we deal with a lot of Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies. So we get a lot of big players coming in the door. And it was just a great experience to work with them do a consultative sales approach with them and learn how large enterprises need a product to work properly and then how to sell to them, how to, to speak to the pain points and also to the, to the features and, and close deals. And the best part about sales is you're sitting there and PO hits your inbox and it makes your day. All that work yeah, is worth absolutely. it, so it's great. Uh, so yeah, so I did that for seven or eight years, uh, became a sales director, managed a sales team here, And then I left for about a year or two, just to kind of get experience out there in the real world or with other companies. That was amazing. I recommend that to anyone. If if you're kind of been in the same place for eight or 10 years, hop out there, see what the market's like, meet other people. I met some amazing sales reps and White Canyon had a executive change and they reached out to me and said, hey, we know you have your MBA. You're with us for almost a decade. We'd love you to come back in the CEO role. I said, like anyone else, absolutely I'd love to, and I've been back uh, in the role for three and a half years.
0: brilliant, so we're gonna kind of backtrack a little bit. sure, so when you first joined the company, there was probably a vibe there, a culture there so let me uh let me set the stage for culture. This is what I think culture is that if you go back to elementary school to uh, physics class, the teacher gave everyone a white sheet of paper and they got some iron filings and they dropped them on the paper and nothing much happened. Mm -hmm. Then you put a magnet underneath the paper and then you drop the iron filings and they move to the lines of flux. So in my worldview, the iron filings are the behaviors and the attitudes of the employees. The paper is the company and the magnet's the culture. So if you go and move those individual behaviors, if you don't address the underlying culture, they just move back to the lines of flux after a day, a week, a month. Sure. So, how was the culture when you first joined the company, and what was it like when you uh, came back as CEO before you Starting did any changes? Like, was the yeah. was there a delta before you got started making changes as a CEO?
1: Yeah, um, great question. So, and I totally agree with you, with your analogy on culture and how that kind of works in a company. Um, so when I first came on board, it was a small company. We had five or six employees. We were owned by a, a larger company up in, in Washington, and they eventually merged and moved us everyone down to the same location. Um, the culture was very, um, and the, the very kind of uh, you're left to be successful, and you're expected to be successful kind of on your own. You're expected to show up, do your work, be on time, get your projects done, everything that you need to get done, make customers happy day in, day out. And it was a very kind of like long-term, we ex- we don't like shooting stars where you come in, you work really hard, then all of a sudden you're not doing anything and, and you're kind of, you know, you're, you're dragging everyone else down. So that was the culture when I first came on board. Um, there were some some negative parts of the culture as well. Um, just kind of communication and what was expected with the company. Um, when I left and came back, um, I came back to a situation where we had a you know executive leave and there was just a lot of turmoil in the company. And there wasn't a lot of direction. And the employees, they want direction. They want to know that they're doing a good job. They want to know that uh, they're making a difference with that, with your organization as well. So That was kind of the situation when I came back. The Delta was kind of like, there's confusion, there's some frustration, but also underlying there's some really good talent. And we also lost some good talent during that phase. So I came back to kind of a, um, you know, not as great talent as we were before and we need to improve that and kind of as a company get straight on that path and start moving was kind of what I
0: saw. Nice. And so, what transformations have you made? So you've been there for a few years as CEO. What have you done to make the culture better?
1: I think first off, I, I like to let my passion out for white nice. drive. I, I, you know, like I love talking about data security. I love how it how it ties into recycling and e waste and helping us help the environment, which is very important to me as well. So on my side, when an employee gets me talking, I'll just start raving about what we're doing. And, and this is happening. This is happening. The industry is going this way. And so on my side, I try to share my viewpoint. I don't, I don't want to hide it. I don't want to just kind of give a, a boring speech, you know, every six months, let everyone, you know, go with that. I like to talk individually and ask what they're working on. And then, share when I was in tech support what I used to see and how that was and when I was a tech support manager what I thought there and what was good was hard how that compares to what they do and on the sales side as well I like to talk about you know my sales experience so on my side I like to connect with my employees Uh, on the devs I can't really I'm not a developer so I can't really connect too well with them but I still like to connect with them and kind of talk about what I see with the company where it's going how how we're driving it and I don't really have specific um, culture goals, but I'd like to have passion and, and let people know, right. Hey, I'm in, I'm here day in, day out. I'm trying to push harder than you are as far as effort and what's what I'm trying to get done every day. And I hope you guys follow with me. And I, and if we have good talent and good, good employees, you know, the, the world's our oyster is kind of, I say that phrase a lot, actually, <laughs> I think.
0: <laughs> nice. So from uh, my point of view, there's like a, a CEO has three responsibilities one is a kick-ass amazing strategically sound vision that inspires people to go i want to be a part of that yeah the second one is that culture piece because i think ultimately the end of the day is how do you get your people to go above and beyond the call of duty because it's human nature to be selfish look what Mm -hmm. i did or that's not my problem this is like how do you get people to go what needs doing and let's get it done and let's uh outpace the competition and the third step is uh, very much how do you increase the value of the company over time? And yeah. so out of those three, which give me an, which is the hardest one for you to kind of tackle? Because you know all three are tricky. Uh, yeah. So which one uh, do you kind of go? Yeah, this is one that we we continually work on.
1: Um, the first and the third one you mentioned there: this strategic, strategic vision, vision yeah. and long-term value. Those two kind of tie together. Um, Personally, on my viewpoint, your purpose is to drive the long-term value of the company. Your strategic vision gets you there. And I think culture ties in because that's your employees. They're helping you get there. You know, they're the ones that do the day in, day out to help the whole corporation get there. So great. I love those three different points. On my side, I think strategic vision You know, we're in a constantly changing market. And so you have to, there's so many options. It's really funny on the CEO side, you can do anything, you know? yes. And when you can do anything or unlimited number of different alternatives to what you're doing, it's very tempting to say, well, let's try that. Let's try a little bit of that. Let's try, let's go over here. Um, I like the consumer side. Should we focus on that for a little bit? Rather than like what you said, a strategic, sound, direct, Kind of purpose and vision of what needs to happen and how we need to get there. And I think that's the temptation in my role to kind of do a shotgun effect rather than a rifle.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's fun being the CEO, and also you have the entire company on your shoulders, so it's kind of like yep. that balancing act. So tell me about uh, your sales team. Uh, do you have uh, a sales manager between you and the team?
1: I do, yeah. We have a sales director. She manages a team below her, and then she reports directly to me uh, on my side.
0: So tell me about some of the conversations with her in terms of getting So – we're not going to name names, but uh, this will be really useful for other CEOs to hear. So when you take a look at a sales rep that's doing a really good job, but you and your sales manager can see that – director of sales can see that this person could be freaking fantastic – Like, how do we get them to really believe it's possible for them? Can you walk me through one of those saying, you know, oh, yeah, we had this rep that. Sure,
1: sure. I'm not going to name names, but we've had a lot of really good reps come through. And on our side, first off, you recognize them and you say, hey, the the quality of their conversations, their emails, their communication, you know, we're in software world. It's a very remote kind of selling environment. You're on site maybe once or twice a year, conventions. But other than that, it's all phone calls, uh, video calls, and then emails. Um, but you'll bump into a sales rep and you'll go, wow, these guys have either the natural talent or the learned talent to be very good as a sales rep. And on our side, I'll, I'll sit down with the sales director and have the conversation with her and say, hey, what do you think with this uh, sales rep? Both of us will look at it and say, yeah, you know, we can tell that they have this potential. How do we get that potential from the potential to actually being realized. And on our side, what we do is we go into kind of a training mode or a mentorship mode where we'll have that sales rep sit in on calls with either the sales director that's managing or another very experienced sales rep that has that talent and let that sales rep kind of just... You know, learn from that mentorship and pick up that information, pick up how someone else does it, and therefore they can then start applying it and we'll start watching to see if they apply it into their workflow and their processes. That's the initial stage is that kind of mentorship is what we
0: do. Brilliant. And how about sales reps that, uh, you know, we all have uh, things happen that can throw you off your uh, game. could be a personal thing at home. It could be Mercury is in retrograde. So, how do you handle that when you have a, a well-producing sales rep that gets into a slump? How do you get them out of that slump? Other great than uh, tasers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that
1: would, that would work, but maybe it might, it might work. Um, you know, the, um, that's a great question. The, the sales rep that moves into a slump, you got to communicate. Okay, That's the first thing is it's very easy on the management side to kind of say, well, let's take a hands-off approach. Let's wait and see what happens. Let's not address it. Let's, you know, maybe they'll come out on, on their own. And I, personally, I feel like that's kind of selfish on the sales director of management where they're trying not to do work.
0: So I'm just going to add to that. I uh, hate to interrupt you there. It's also chicken sure. shit. Yeah. It's yeah. like, hey, I don't want to have that uncomfortable conversation, yes. which we're all humans. Yes. And even though you're the boss, sometimes like, maybe they'll figure it out on their own but please go yeah. on
1: yeah no i i agree completely with that because it's very easy to dial back and say well i'm not going to engage and as a manager the second you realize you're not engaging that's when you realize you're not doing your job okay so the sales director should sit down with that sales rep and say hey First off, talk them up about what they've done. You know, here's your previous results. Here's your skill set. We see you here. This is how we we view you from the management side. And if they are a great sales rep, you're gonna you're gonna make them feel good because they are a great great partner mm, company. Absolutely. And then you're gonna try and address it and say, hey, we noticed you know four weeks ago or six weeks ago things have just started being very slow on your side or not seeing the success and results that we are you know anticipate with you. Is there something going on or we we have to be very um, kind of HR related on there. Is there something that our HR team should know about or that you need to discuss with them? Uh, First off, you have to start on the personal side. And as a management team, you can't just personally, I feel like you can't just ask them personal questions. Why, why, why? Say, hey, would you like to share that with me? If not, you don't feel comfortable sharing it with me. We have an HR team that'd be happy to talk that with you. And they'll communicate with me on how I should work with you on you on this item if there's something there. And then second, by having that conversation, you're saying to them, hey, I want you back up here. And sometimes you have to talk about career goals. Sometimes you have to talk about where they see themselves in five or 10 years, what they want out of the company or the position. There's some items there where you have to get through the nitty gritty and discuss those. And then after that, you'll both be seeing eye to eye uh, we've had situations where they've come out of the slump we've had situations where they said you know what the slump is because of X Y and Z I'm actually gonna you know I, I'm we're gonna move I'm headed somewhere else um, thank you for the the time here but it's it's not a good fit and so that conversation I think a lot of managers are afraid because of the re- possible results but you can't you can't run that way it's not gonna be successful
0: yeah I'm gonna break down what you said so thank you for sharing that that was like really really useful so I think if you have a really good relationship with folks that you can have frank, open conversations that are not seen as attacks. Because oftentimes we're trained that, you know, if somebody's pointing something out, I get defensive and I make excuses. And if we can have that relationship with, you know, hey, Bill, (laughs) what's going on? Or the other way around, a sales rep saying, you know, hey, right now, I'm not sure, but the phone is not my friend right now. Like, I'm not sure what happened. All of a sudden, yeah. I've yeah. got difficulty picking it up. And if we can have those open conversations, we can fix them really easily. And that's what I mean about culture. If we can get to that level of connection that together we can conquer anything. And uh, kind of your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. It goes down to the culture and the relationship of the sales director with the, with their team members. I mean, that's key. If If there's any sort of... Um, attitude or issues between that or conflicts, they're going to back up and not share their information and say, you know, I, what are you talking about? I'm fine. Everything's going to be great. <laughs> but what is in your Yeah. If you have a good culture, they're going to share that you're going to work with them on, you explain to them, Hey, we want to work with you on this, help you through it and see if it's a good fit. We don't want employees that don't want to be at their job and we don't want a job. That's not going to be done correctly if there's employees there that don't really want to do it. So it's, it's got to be a fit for everyone involved. And everything's a career move. You know, you work at a company for a little while. Maybe you're there for 14 years. And you move up to CEO. Maybe you're, you hop around every two or three years to a new kind of, you know, software tool that you like to sell and you're passionate about for a couple of years. You kind of get tired of it. You want to try something else. There's a fit for everyone. And another item here is the feedback and talking to that sales rep. Maybe they'll say the leads aren't any good. And maybe you'll uncover an issue with marketing or with your lead volume or, you know, your, your lead quantity numbers are X and they've stayed that way, but actually maybe the quality's dropped and he's talking to people that aren't decision makers and he's on his side saying, Hey, this, or they're not real clients or potentials. And so on his side or her side, they're saying, Hey, I'm doing the best I can. I'm not given the same uh, intake as I previously was. And that's what's going on. Then you can kind of, as a manager or CEO, say, well, let's take a look at marketing. Let's see what's going on over here. If these leads aren't good, this is a symptom of something, a big problem. So let's jump in and solve
0: this. Absolutely. And I'm glad you kind of see it that way. So I'm going to backtrack again, going back to, you had mentioned HR. So in a lot of companies, HR is seen as the enemy. And when you ask employees, who's HR, they're the people that say no. (laughs) (laughs) True, True. But the reality is when HR is done right, They're the glue that holds everything together. When it's done right, they can empower CEOs and managers and employees to do stuff. But that comes down to the CEO on how do we get HR to fit into this system where they're seen as a great resource for everyone and not the people that are like, well, you can't talk about this and you can't do that and you can't do this, which is part yeah. of the responsibility. So before I let you answer, answer that, here's my theory is that HR needs to be split into two. One side of HR needs to be the, uh, you can't do that people because there are rules and laws that we need to obey. And we need a second side of HR, which is all about, how do we get the best performance out of our employees? Like it almost needs to be split into two.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, there is kind of a a conflict there in the HR side because they have the rules and, and trying to teach employees how to behave correctly or, you know, you know, professionally in their environment, and avoid legal liabilities, all of that. And I think it's very tempting for HR to stay as a very heavy-handed area, but actually, they are supposed to be light and soft. And if you have a great HR rep, which we do, and we have a great HR team, is they should know everyone. They we run some you know competitions internally for the company. We have nice. um, catered lunch every week. Um, we oh, we do what all- day is that. <laughs> yeah, so come over from Greece, come and visit us out here in Utah. We'd love to have you. Um, so we try to make they should be soft and fuzzy. And as a management team, I think you also have to communicate that to communicate that they can defer and talk to HR instead of you. And if you, a lot of companies, it makes it look like HR and the CEO are like seamless, the same person. And I think you actually have to make it look like they're two separate entities. If you have an issue with me, you're a manager. Talk to HR. We'll resolve it. HR will will discuss it with us, and we have to work it out with HR and resolve that issue. Rather than we tell HR everything that happens, and and so that's kind of my viewpoint on it. That's where we've been successful on our side, but I do agree with you. There is a conflict, and some corporations don't get through. Don't get through that, and it becomes an issue. So,
0: so here's kind of my thoughts on that. Uh, is that. Uh two things. So I think one, they do have a responsibility to make sure the the rules are uh, taken care of. Yeah. And sometimes they're labeled that way and they're not that way by the employees. So they just get labeled that way. But one of the things that you talked about was, you know, soft and fuzzy on one side. And uh, my version of HR is not that. It's like, I want them to be bold and and strong and support. Yeah. And it's like, because I think that human side of the company is so important. When things are going well, that's nice and you can actually do better. When things are going bad, your employees and the relationship with management is so critical to getting over tough times or tough situations. Yeah. And if, So I think the CEO job is a tough one. I'm not sure if you remember this episode or if you ever saw it. It was Fred Flintstone where he wished that he could be the boss and the, the, the zoo character let him be the boss for one day. And Uh-oh. it was like the worst experience ever. He thought the boss is, you know, like playing golf, eating fat lunches. And his, yeah. like, he's got a board of directors. It's like, no, no, I want to yes. go back to be worker. Thank you very much. Yes. So yes. I salute you, Paul, for doing a great job there. And thank you for this conversation. I think it was really, really insightful. And I appreciate your transparency and your expertise
1: yeah thanks Umar I appreciate being here on the No Limits Selling Podcast talking with, with you and your audience and if anyone would like to reach out to me please uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn or on our website www.whitecanyon.com we'd be happy to talk with you
0: brilliant and we're going to put all the uh, links in the show notes so you'll be easy just go click and you will find him and uh, I'm looking forward to our next conversation
1: yeah thanks